When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now it's time for your Minnesota moment. News from my hometown of St. Paul that you won't get from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Today, Minneapolis has passed a $15 minimum wage, but St. Paul has not. They're supposed to be the Twin Cities. So what's up with that? For some answers, we turn to Michelle Chen. She's a contributing writer at The Nation and also contributing editor at Descent Magazine. Michelle Chen, welcome back. Hi, thanks. First, tell us about Minneapolis and how Minneapolis got to a $15 minimum wage. Yeah, Minneapolis um, was one of the first Midwestern cities to join the Fight for 15 movement. It's got a pretty strong uh, progressive pro-labor strand, um, and so they're sort of a beachhead for this uh, national movement that's been steadily gaining ground, you know, for the past um, over five years now. And it started out with the coasts. Um, As you know, New York and California have already... uh, themselves on track to uh, phase into a $15 uh, minimum wage. Seattle uh, is right now just starting to roll out its first batch of uh, fully-fledged $15 wages, Um, so different cities are on different timelines. Do you have any theories about why St. Paul is behind Minneapolis in this? Is it just because St. Paul is always behind Minneapolis in everything? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I mean, uh, the same arguments that are lining up against the fight for 15 in Minneapolis and now in St. Paul um, are pretty much a cookie-cutter carbon copy of what we see um, around the country. So it's usually, you know, the restaurant lobby crying wolf about how so many small businesses are going to get shut down because these $15 wages will crush them. Um, or people trying to inject little little carve-outs, for instance, by preserving a lower wage tier for tipped workers. And so right now, the focus is on everybody seems to be generally on board with a $15 uh, wage floor, and the devil's in the details. So they do seem to be moving towards it. Let's talk about that argument that a higher minimum wage will hurt uh, businesses, especially restaurants, and force many of them to close. Is there any actual research on this? Yeah. um, Coincidentally, uh, right around the time that the Fight for 15 campaign started heating up in St. Paul, um, some researchers at University of California, Berkeley, they, uh, they actually came out with a study sort of assessing uh, how different cities had dealt with the uh, minimum wage phase-in, and they're all on track to go towards $15 an hour. And they looked at, um, earlier they looked at Seattle, and this time they looked at a broader array of cities, and they found that it actually did what it promised to do, which is raise wages. But the key 
point that they wanted to underscore was that there were no real discernible impacts on employment. So that means the Fight for 15 both raised wages and didn't damage jobs. And what does the Fight for 15 movement say about this idea of a lower wage for tipped workers? Actually, there's been an interesting development in the Fight for 15 over time because as they realized that many cities were generally getting on board with the $15 minimum wage level, but they were um, often preserving some kind of exemption for the tipped minimum wage, um, they actually are advocating now for something called one fair wage, which is not just uh, an overall wage for $15 an hour, but also ensuring that tipped workers as well um, get on that same wage force. In most of the places where the fight for 15 has succeeded in, at least in some respects in, in cities, the workers who will benefit most from $15 an hour are not in unions. What, what is the role of unions in the fight for 15 and, and which unions are we talking about? The, the fight for 15 movement and you know, the, basically the slogan um, was incubated by a coalition of uh, the SEIU and a lot of community advocacy groups in, um, in New York, actually. Um, that was you know, sort of the initial uh, place where the Fight for 15 protests sort of erupted um, several years ago. Um, and so it was, I guess you could say, spearheaded by a union effort. And unions have historically been behind you know, minimum wage campaigns as a way to mobilize the public and to sort of get labor behind, you know, campaigns that are generally pretty publicly palatable. I mean, they're very few people when you poll voters. I mean, it's just generally seen as a good thing. And I think this is where collective mindset has kind of been preserved. Um, People understand that raising the base wage for the poorest workers who are, as you said, often very marginalized and and often non-union will have a ripple effect throughout the workforce. And that will in turn push up the overall wage levels and the prevailing wage levels in industries where there are um, significant uh, presences of unions. And when they do their collective bargaining, they have a higher base uh, from which to start. And it's a way to combat, I guess, some of the negative stereotypes of unions being only for their own members, because this is something that uh, basically affects you know, the entire jurisdiction, whether you're talking about everyone in the city or, um, or everyone across the state or even on the federal level. You can find more information about this campaign at the website 15nowmn.org. 15nowmn.org. They list the members of the 15 Now Minnesota Coalition. It includes the SEIU, AFSME, the Teamsters, Unite Here, the nurses, the teachers, the communication workers, and the food and commercial workers. Uh, So there is a broad front of unions behind the fight for 15 in Minnesota. Oh, and I just wanted to add, too, um, that 
once the $15 minimum wage is passed in any area, the enforcement is really key. So as St. Paul moves closer towards passing the legislation, they're learning from other cities about how the labor authorities in the Twin Cities can really uh, ramp up their efforts to make sure that employers are adhering to that wage. Because if it's continually violated, you know, a $15 minimum wage isn't really meaningful anyway. So enforcement is really where the focus is on now. Michelle Chen wrote about the fight for 15 in Minnesota and around the country for The Nation magazine. You can read her at thenation.com. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.